Welcome to Authentic as Fog podcast. My name is Sun. I'm a marketer and I teach storytelling. Uh, in this podcast, we bring on entrepreneurs uh, from our community and we answer questions and I kind of coach them through any brand, uh, marketing, branding questions, things like that. So first, we have Hilal. Hello, Hilal. Hello, How Sun. Are How are you doing? Finally, we are meeting together. Yes. So tell, tell the audience uh, a little bit about yourself, what, where you're from, what you do. Okay, that would be easy part. My name is Hilal. I'm from uh, Kuwait. It is in the Middle East. I'm 47 years old. Started my professional life as a civil engineer. When I was graduated, I just struck by the news that I have a brain tumor, which taken off, then resumed my engineering then found out that there is another brain tumor after seven years which i remove it as well i'm healthy fine right now with medication but after like 10 years of doing the engineering i said this is not me i'm fed up i need to do something else i had a lot of traumas in my life over 32 traumas as counted and God, power, almighty, someone is taking care of it out of me. I had to do something with my life. At which I found the sign, enroll in MBA course, which I did. And in two years I got it. I did my MBA. Then start doing my own courses. Specifically because I've loved marketing since then. I focused on marketing and lecturing students about marketing. Then noticed something that there is a huge gap. The whole market of coaches and consultants, trainers, whatsoever, all the time are giving them people the same scenario of how you start your work. But there is a missing gap how to deliver this work or product or service to the audience which re-studied again executive marketing diploma with duct tape marketing and start focusing on freelancing marketing coach especially in Instagram. This is a very brief introduction about me. So you're a marketing coach on Instagram? Yes, for those freelancers especially in my area or my region. What do you mean those freelancers? What are those freelancers? freelancers? Uh, I mean, like, they have a full-time job in the morning, and they are doing side oh, okay. hustle. So side hustle. As adding some extra income, then, by then, they have a full-time job of what they love. And you, you uh, teach Instagram? Well, like marketing on Instagram? To penetrate the market, that, mm -hmm. that was back in the pandemic, I started learning about Instagram a lot, having lots of courses, then start teaching the same thing I'm taking. And since then, I've become, until this very day, people come to me to teach them about Instagram, about putting the marketing principles of digital marketing principles inside Instagram 
still them, still learning, and still transfer whatever I get learned. It's the better way, I see, it, to coach. So Got they it. always <clears throat> do market themselves in Instagram, so I penetrate myself by Instagram, then I start using my model, which I'm having. Yeah, so you, you started promoting yourself on Instagram, and now you teach people how to do... Yeah. I start, okay. I start showing <laughs> as an expert inside Instagram, yeah. teaching people how to raise their engagement level. Free courses. Um, yeah, so what's the question you have? Do you have a question or anything yes. you're struggling with that you want to... Something I'm struggling with. I have a freelance, as you may say, crash call, uh, course. It is 36 hours as counted. I have a roadmap for it. But when they come to me, 36 hour course, 36 hours. Yes. I take them okay. from zero to full project ready okay. to do. Mm-hmm. And I have a canvas. I took the patenting weight for that canvas. I can share with you in, the, in our platform. So they cannot stand 36 hours. It's I, in Arabic. And uh, I have it in English, I have it in Arabic, yes. Okay. And it's too long, you said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when we say 36 hours, minimum, mm-hmm. minimum, in one session it is two and a half hours because there is chit-chat in here, there is a coffee in there, there is examples in there, he talks, she talks, some unbottling, sometimes people need to be listened I don't stop this then. So well, they, okay. So they, what's your what's your question? That well, it's when too they long? see this, that, that it is thirty six hours, they freeze. Of course. Yes. It is Understandable. Too long. And we want only Instagram. <laughs> well, so you're. <clears throat> Here's the thing, like your your customers have a full time job and they're trying to start a side hustle. Yeah. And then now they gotta watch thirty six hours of a class, right? So I know they are you can kind of see they attended my office. Oh, it's a, it's in physical, like it's it's in person. Yeah, it's in here. Okay, got it. Here's what I think, right? Uh-huh. Um, you gotta shrink it. I'm trying. <laughs> yes. I mean, because you know the what I'm doing with at Night Owl Nation is not the same as like teaching a course. Yes. If I were to create a course, I would try to. Let's say I was were to create a course that's gonna take. Let's say it's a twelve week course, yes. right? Mm-hmm. I would actually try to get that down in less than four hours. 12-week course, meaning let's say it's, it takes 12 weeks to like, because the value of your product depends on how short it is, actually. Because a lot of people think that the more, the better, more content, the better. But just think about it like this, right? Let's say you can get this student from where they are to here, which is making 10K a month or whatever it is, whatever the goal is, right? You can you can give him all the knowledge that he needs to 
know what she needs to know to get there. Right? Yeah. And let's say it takes you 36 hours of training to get them there. But let's say you can get them there in 12 hours. The same thing. Is that more valuable or less valuable? Well, 12 hours seems reasonable. But I have to cut them and stop them from chatting, side chatting and these things. But I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is when it comes to education, yes, especially this type of education where you're teaching a skill, mm-hmm. it's what you're... What you're actually selling is time. Yes. Because <laughs> just think about this, right? Because these people, your students, can learn everything that you teach them. They can do it all on their own for free if they had a thousand hours to go on YouTube and just browse through and watch, do the research themselves and watch. Like, they don't have the thousand hours. They, they come to you, right? So you got it down to 36 hours. You got but imagine you can get it down to 12 hours. That's even more valuable, right? So the less time you can do it in, the more valuable it is. Because I think a lot of time when you sell information, people that sell information like teachers and things like that, we get we can, we get carried away. We think that, oh, more the better. Oh, yes. oh, look at, oh, you get this many hours of training or like, no, actually, no. But coming from the audience's point of view, the less the better, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And the point is... <laughs> What what I think, I will I will shrink it that for sure. Yeah. I just need another another like reliable sound like you to tell me that that I'm I'm here to coach you and listen to you and follow up with you. Even after these twelve hours or ten hours when I shrink it, I don't want to like cut the relation after that. I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. You should separate that. You should. Uh-huh. You should. You have to separate the teaching from the the community and the Q and As and things like that, right? Because there are people who just wants to be in and out, just get the information in and out, right? And then there are people that wants to be more. Um, you know, one of the mistakes that I made when I started out is that I, I, I was trying to come up with a process that just works for everyone. But there is no such thing as everyone. Every client is different. Everybody yeah. wants different things. Every, like, for example, like, you know, in, in, uh, in a logical mind, like, if this client pays me this much, I should spend more time with them. If I, they, this client pays me less, I should spend less time with them or something like that, right? But no, because some clients actually, to them, if I can, in the minimum time uh, <laughs> wasted, if I can just deliver the shortest amount of communication for them, they actually find that more valuable. Whereas in there are some clients who really need their handheld and like need me to walk through every little and invest the time. And that client might be the one that's paying a little bit less, but they value that more. And so you have to treat every client differently, right? Yes. So, so that's kind of what we're actually learning at Night Owl Nation. Like, we're starting to realize there's all different level of people and they require different things. So we need to set up processes that will account for all of them, you know? Correct. So maybe what you can do is you can have lectures <laughs> and then you can separate out the workshops. Do you know what I mean? So people who just wants to, 
once the the meet the information, they can just attend the lectures and they don't have yes. to come to the workshops or something like that. Um, do you know what I mean? Yes, I'm following you. I'm just writing. Yeah. I don't want to miss any. Yeah, and then I guess you can have assignments, and then you know, if if somebody wants to put in more work, you can give them assignment. Yeah. Versus, uh, I call them homeworks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you have to separate the teaching from the mm -hmm. practicing. Because uh -huh. now we're talking. Practicing, they can practice 10 hours versus 100 hours. Obviously, if they practice 100 hours, they're going to be better, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, you know, you have to come up with a curriculum where even, whether they have 10 hours to practice or 100 hours to practice, it works for both of them. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I'm following it, yes. Well, I will announce it and it will shrink the time. <laughs> Maybe I will do a package like you can have this straight away or this would follow up. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. technically, the people who attend the workshops should probably pay more, right? <laughs> of course, yes. But I'm sure you'll figure it out. It's one of those things that, like, the, the thing I talked about on Sunday service this week is for me, whenever I try to uh, plan ahead, meaning, try to solve a problem that doesn't exist yet, right? Yeah. Future problems, like, oh, I need, to, I need to create something new, right? Something like that. That thing almost always becomes useless, and I, I end up doing it a completely different way. Things always work better when I was just going back and fixing things, meaning, oh, I did it the wrong way, and I was like, oh, I realize that now that, okay, I, when we have too many people, it doesn't work. I need to get the number of people down or something like that. And then, oh, now I realize that this doesn't work, so let's try this, right? So most of the process that we have that worked was a result of making mistakes Correct. and then figuring out, okay, fixing it. So businesses, a lot of people try to fix future problems when there's like plenty of current problems today, right? <laughs> so what I always say is, just keep fixing today's problem and the new problem come up, fix that, new problem come up. And then eventually when you look back, you're going to be like, holy shit, we've, I've, I've designed this beautiful process and methodology just by fixing, <laughs> fixing things. You know what I mean? <laughs> Something like that. I will fix it right away. I just have started this. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what we're doing at Night Owl Nation. Like one perfect example of that would be like, I try to implement this um, small group committee. So we have small group leaders, right? But we wanted to have one layer above that where each there's another small group leader leader who leads small group leaders, right? Yes. And I was like, oh, we need, I, I was like forecasting. I was like, oh, we need, we're going to need that. And I tried to set up that and it didn't work out because like we didn't need it. Nobody had, these small group leaders didn't have questions. And, and like, it was enough that I was doing the small group. Like we weren't there yet. The problem didn't exist yet. And I tried to solve it even before the problem happened. So it didn't work out. But things that did work out are, are stuff like, Everybody who came in were overwhelmed because they had the same questions. So we pro 
So we fixed that by putting together an onboarding process where every new member, every week, we have a volunteer who does an onboarding call, right? So every week, uh, new members would join that call and the volunteer will kind of walk them through how Night Owl Nation works and things like that, right? So we implemented that process to fix one problem, right? And then, so what I realized is that whenever we're like identifying a problem and fixing it, that always works well. But whenever we try to put together a process to prevent future problems, <laughs> that process almost never works. Because you, it's, it's hard to know what the problems are going to be in the future until you get there. You know what I mean? Correct, yes. So I agree with you with that. You better fix our nation instead of looking forward. Cutting in Any small other questions? No, that's, uh, that's for me for now. Because this is the only thing that I always get faced. We don't, we don't, we need the Instagram alone. I said, no, you need the marketing for it. And I have to teach you this so you can implement this in here. Sometime I ended up, they cut, they didn't, con they don't continue. I have to, just two clients who fully finished the 36 hours. Well, I'll tell you that. Yes. That is the number one issue in education, right? Yeah. Is that students don't want to learn. <laughs> <laughs> like, only if we can get the students who want to learn. Prob but I think, like, it's our job. I, I guess that's what I, I see. I see as, like, that is the importance of teachers, right? Otherwise, we might have just have one head teacher that teaches the entire world, right? The reason why we have teachers is because I think part of a teacher's job is to inspire that student to want to learn. Because like, if somebody wants to learn, the rest is so easy, right? <laughs> but the problem is that most people don't want to learn. They're like, ah, I got to go to this class and I got oh, to post it, right? So that is the problem. So if we can somehow fix that, and I think the way we do it is as individual teachers, we have to continually inspire them and, you know, make them want to show up and want to learn this stuff and make it fun for them and interactive, engaging, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, about inspiring, I don't show a lot as a content in Instagram. And the stories as you do, or others do. I'm full-time job in the morning. I do this after work, and then I am a father of four. I have two elder sons and two in the house, still learning, and they have the exams as well. They don't want to study. I'm tired from. I cannot find time <laughs> with the positive vibes to give good content. Well, first of all. Hmm. When I say inspire, I don't necessarily mean in just social media. Like, that's one place you can do it. Mm -hmm. But, for example, I think one of the reasons why at Night Owl, my agency, like, people grew so fast and they, they were so, like, we, we were able to, like, churn out talent is because um, we were able to create a environment that inspires learning. That uh, Everybody that comes to the, this place, they want to learn, right? 
Yes. So it's not just on social media, right? Like in your school, when students come to learn from you, in that room while they're there, you have to create an environment where they're like, I can't wait to come back next week, right? Like that type of environment. So that's kind of what I meant. But in terms of social media, um, yeah, I mean, the easiest way I would say is to do the video podcast, right? Yes. Where you just do the video podcast, take out little clips from the podcast, and then use that as content, right? And I did uh, the master class yesterday with the, you know, there's a, a website called Zubtitles. I don't mm-hmm. know if you, it's like subtitle, but with a Z. And that will add the captions and have, like it'll add all of that, like all that stuff into I the video. No, they enhance Arabic. Oh, uh, in Arabic? No, I don't know. That's another challenge. That's a for great me. question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of content, what I what I would say is do what you can. Right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, yeah, this type of community, what we're doing, the type of work that we're doing, the way we're really going to have to grow it is through our own communities. Meaning, Let's say you have 10 students, right? Yeah. And these 10 students are just so blown away and you've like really added value. Those 10 students tells 10 students and so on and so on and so on. And in the long run, this is how you have to grow. Because if you just grow with social media without this base, oh, yes. what, that falls just as quickly too. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. So uh, underneath it all, that's why I'm so focused on spending like at least 80% of my time on just delivering the most value in our community. Because I know that if I do that, that one member will bring two more members and that member will bring two more members and so on and so on and so on. And that's where the real success lies in the long run. And that's exponential. So like for us, we might grow really slowly in the beginning. Let's say we get 1,000 members in the first year. But in the second year, we might get 2,000. But in the third year, it's, gonna, it's not going to be like 3,000. It's going to be like 10,000. And like, because those kind of growth happens exponentially. Do you understand what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Now, I have a million of thoughts I will have to change right away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're doing good. Like, I, you know what I do always? Because I'm the type of person that gets overwhelmed easily and overthink and stuff like that. So I constantly, every single day, every hour, I need to ground myself and remind remind myself of my life philosophy, which is, okay, I have a million things to do. I need to fix a million things and all of that. But my life is all about just doing what's in front of me right now and being fully present. Like, for example, right now, my whole purpose in life is to have fully present in this conversation with you, Hilal, and just, you know, put 100% of my energy into this. Yes. That's my purpose. And after this, with Christina, after that, whatever it is at moment to moment, just being fully doing that thing is my purpose. So it doesn't matter, okay? Yeah, I have 100 problems to fix, and I'll get there. <laughs> 
But right now, my yeah. <laughs> so I need to constantly remind myself of that, like all day, every day, and it's a battle because my my brain is an overthinker. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, thank you for thank you. Oh, thank Thank you for coming on. Thank you for your questions. I really appreciate um, it. Yes. Thank you very much. I will see you in the at Night Owl Nation. And let's bring on Christina. Hi. Hi. Uh, my name is Christina, and I'm a marketer, and I live in Canada, in the city of Edmonton. I help professionals and businesses to find their unique juice, and I utilize that to build trust for them to stand out and to build community around it. Okay. And do you, do you have a question or did you want to go over I actually story? have a story. And based on what I heard throughout the, the other older podcasts that you have, I was not able to find lessons. I found a lesson for myself, but I want, I really like this story and I know because it means so much for me, it could have a lesson for other people. So I wanted okay. to share it with you so you yeah. can coach me through it. Let's do it. So uh, my story is uh, for years, I believed that trust was an absolute thing among friends and especially family that lies were told just to harm people and that you just don't do that. Um, until one day when I was eight years old, we were coming from church and I had gotten this branch of a, a pink gladiolus flower from the center of the centerpiece that decorated the podium of the church. At that time I was eight years old and I was so proud and excited because the flowers were so pretty and not all the kids have gotten it. And I felt extra special because I knew the name of the flower. At eight years old, I knew exactly how to write it and read it because we had learned it at school. So as we were coming home, I told my mom, oh, I should bring these flowers to school because we'll learn about them. And my teacher said that she's never seen a real one in life. And my mom's reaction was not what I expected. She abruptly accused me saying, you're lying. Your teacher would have never said that. Don't make us stories just so you can take the flowers to school. Uh, that was shocking. I was embarrassed and very, very confused and at the same time scared. I started doubting myself. I couldn't even remember if my teacher actually said that or I was really making it up like my mom said. Uh, was this a lie? Was I lying? Um, was she just upset? Or why did I say things like that? So at that moment, as a little girl, I learned that trust is not something that just exists, even in between families, family members, and that it needed to be built. But I also started questioning, what did I do to, to lose that trust from my mom? So I started self-doubting a lot from that uh, experience. And now I have a habit, I have two habits. I still trust people, I give myself the benefit of a doubt and I still trust people 100% until they prove me wrong. But I also write down everything I say and I remember as a form of a journal so I don't have to, I don't forget what I said or what I heard 
and that I don't have to, you know, mortify myself by doubting. Okay. Um, so you still don't remember if, no, I do remember. I remember our, our, our kids, we were learning about the GL syllable. And one of the examples so was the gladiolus. So we learned and the teacher actually said, this flower is very rare. I've never seen it in real life. So you were not. So lying. I do remember I wasn't lying. So what did you talk to your mom about that? No, because she was so upset. I was scared to tell no, like her after. Oh, when I was bigger, like yeah. older, I actually did tell her. And my mom said, oh, I didn't think that flower was so rare. So I thought you were lying so you could take the flowers to school. I did tell her and later on, like I said. When, you, when she said that. Uh, why didn't you ask more questions? Why didn't she ask me more? Like, why would you just um, I ask her? Why would you just, you, did you just ask accuse that? Ask me? That? I did ask her, why what did you just saying? accuse me? And she said, oh, I don't remember. So for her. But you can you it, can kind of see from her perspective, right? Like, imagine your kid came and told you. Yeah. You're like, ah, stop lying. Like, it, yeah. it's not like you're overthinking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so funny how, like, a completely non-traumatic event could cause trauma that could impact your life for so long, huh? <laughs> this story is the one I used for your five day challenge. And when you told us to write the perspective, a different perspective of the story, that's exactly what I thought. My mom could have just said, oh, stop lying. Don't take the flower. It's going to be such an annoying thing to take it to school. Yeah. Instead of explaining all that, she just told me like, stop lying. Yeah. But I made her the villain that gave yeah. me trauma. Yeah. But for her, it was nothing. She doesn't even remember. Mm-hmm. I think it also says something about you because like when I first read that story, <clears throat> immediately my mind was, was like, oh, who cares? Like, who, who cares that she says it's, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, like I, I would, I would dismiss it immediately. Right. Like whether my mom said like, that wouldn't hurt my feeling at all that my mom didn't oh. believe me. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it did, I, I would just be like mad at her for like, why won't you believe me type of deal? Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't get mad. You know, I thought she I, I think she got mad at me. I even gave, gave, gifted her the flowers like in the story says that I took the yeah. flowers, put it in a vase and I put it in a room like an apology for making her mad. But I couldn't dismiss it. Well, that also and, goes. I think that shows you how much of a like how conscientious and uh, responsible <laughs> you are as opposed to like, cause I, I feel like I'm the type of person that's like anti-authority. So I would actually like, you know, be mad at her and sabotage her. And like, you know, I, I would try to prove, prove her wrong or something like that. Right. So I, it, it just goes to show you how like different natural personality reacts to the same will react to the same situation differently or something like that
the people placer. That's a huge people placer. And I still am like that. <laughs> well, do you think the people, do you think that incident made it worse? Or... Uh, it did make it worse because I feel like people don't believe me. I, that's a, the, the first. So I over-explain. I over-explain a lot because I want people to believe me. And when I feel a little bit of disbelief or mistrust, I I want to make it up. Like I not just over-explaining. I feel like I owe them an apology. So before if, that if we... event. How are you with your mom? Were you the same way or? Uh, I think I was similar to that. But that was a very traumatizing, very memorable moment where I learned, okay, what a lie could be. What the repercussions of saying a lie could be. I was only eight years old. Or maybe a... Because you've never lied before, before that? Well, maybe I did, but I don't remember. Okay. But I wasn't lying. I was not lying at that moment. I know, so I know, it's I know. not that I didn't lie. I lied before. So, yeah, I'm trying to understand your your emotion. How, how did you feel at that moment when your mom was like, stop lying, right? Yeah. Like, is it I, more I like... I felt hurt. But hurt in a and... way, like... um. Like, why won't you understand me? Or like being in a misunderstood way or hurt in a way that, oh, uh, like I hurt my mom's feeling because I lied or something like that. Or hurt in a way that, um, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, which... I think I was, I was hurt because she accused me for lying and not trust me. Not just trust me. She should have just say oh okay really if she didn't want me to take the flowers she could have said don't take the flowers because a b and c she didn't have to accuse me and i i felt that i now that you're telling me this i realize i don't like people accusing me for something i'm not without giving me a chance to prove it wrong to prove them that it's not but you didn't prove her no you just let it go i didn't i just well not at the moment. I, I think I still don't let it go. Well, after that, <laughs> have you had those situations before? Or after that, you always try to prove them wrong, wrong if, if they're wrong? Mm. No, you know, what I realized that is that when people say, oh, so-and-so is a liar, or so-and-so is a thief, or so-and-so is a hypocrite, I don't like defining people like that because mm. one incident could be misunderstood and defining people by something yeah. that we don't even know if it's true or not. It's very, very unjust. It's wrong. So you, you, you give people like the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Yeah. And I, I became very trusty and I think I do it more consciously. Even when I see a little red flags, I go, no, I have to trust them until they prove me wrong. Yeah. 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 But back, back to that moment when you heard that from your mom, so at that moment like everything in your body is telling you like no i need to fight back because uh, i'm right and she's wrong or no no i didn't have that even I though you knew you were right 
yeah it just made me sad made me very sad and very confused it just made me so sad that and i started doubting had, myself have you had that kind of situation later on in life where somebody didn't believe you and you couldn't do anything about it or you didn't do anything about it yeah and it made you feel that way again sad yeah yeah and um like when i express this to people they will say don't worry time will tell you don't have to always prove your point or tell them what the real your side of the story time will tell like can you give me an example of a time? for example um with a relationship with one person uh this person was very deceiving in many ways and i wanted to 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 tell people like this is what i'm going through he's deceiving he's a liar he doesn't you know prom he doesn't keep his words he's hurting people and i couldn't because he will present himself as such a perfect honest genuine person and years went by and then when my relationship ended uh two years later three years later i had people coming and saying hey christina we understand now why you broke this relationship. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now we, we now see his colors. And for that year, I will eat myself up, right? Every night saying, oh my God, how, how do I say this without sounding like conflicted or emotional or almost crazy about it? Mm -hmm. People don't care. But with time, and I learned that, yeah, through time. And like you said, people might not even care. I wonder how many people um, as a child, because, you know, children get dismissed all the time. Oh, like, stop lying or whatever it is, right? I wonder how many people like um, have the experience that you had as a child when, when a parent, for lack of better word, is gaslighting their children. It's like, stop lying, whatever it is. And then that stays with them because like when a parent does that when your mom or dad does that to you right when you know something is true and they're like stop lying or they're like don't make a big deal out of it or whatever it is right and in a dismissive way it almost feels like a betrayal right yes because it's the person that you're supposed to trust the most your yes. parent doing that to you so i wonder how many people have that kind of experience from something so small like that and have 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 a traumatic experience from it have trauma from it and at a as an adult um l continue to live with that and like i i you know like the term gaslighting is such like a popular term right now because it happens so often right like and you see it in movies a lot where uh like a woman is like trying their best to do something and then they're just getting dismissed from everyone right like no like you're just making that up or like you know like you know like like don't be so dramatic or something like that exactly <laughs> right? yes yeah and i wonder how many of that is caused from like childhood traumas like that where where they just got dismissed as a child or something like that I think there will be a, a, a large number of people. 
yeah. they just don't don't think about it yeah. or they they don't get traumatized as much as I did. Yeah. I don't think it was bi- a big of a trauma, but it did shape of shape me who to who I am today. When I was doing your well, like Friday, I, the, what you were telling me before in your other relationship, it's kind of like you, you see the residue of that trauma there, right? Because, you know, maybe you could have um, you could have said something way earlier on, but you you kept it just kind of like what you didn't you didn't say it to your mom when you were a child. And so like, what do you mean? I didn't lie, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. So what could be... Is there a lesson in this? I mean, like the obvious one is like that the smallest, the the smallest like event in your childhood, just like your mom just forgetting something or something like that can actually have a huge impact in your life, right? Yeah. Um, Like the butterfly effect. (laughs) Yeah. And another thing is maybe, uh, yeah, uh, another thing is, if you were to use that as like a lesson for other people, maybe one of the things that you can say is, you know, like that's how you realize that, you know, we sh- you should always give benefit of the doubt, to, you know, when like instead of just like dismissing somebody immediately, you know, always there's there's two sides to every story or something like that. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Perspective. Um, yeah. It, it really. Uh, it, it taught you how to do that. Maybe something like that. So th- that's something good that came out of it. Um, can you think of anything else? Um, like, obviously, like, one of the things that for you to heal from this trauma is for you, like, you have to speak up, right? And I'm, I'm assuming that you've, you've gotten over that, like, where in a situation where you're afraid to speak up maybe you might just suppress it or something like that back then but now you actually say it or something like that um the other lesson that i thought is that uh people don't think too much like you said i overthink you could overthink what people think of you but that person was just gaslighting right people that person didn't even think about maybe that's a lesson you learn in the future when you ask your mom. Yeah. She didn't even remember it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I, that's, that's what I thought. She doesn't think so much about me the way I think about yeah. myself. Right. And people. Yeah, you're the center of your universe. Yeah. Yeah. People think that, oh, when I say this, when I do this, people are going to react to this and they're going to judge me. But people don't think that much. They just dismiss you. Let me ask you. you this. When did you start changing that? When did you start changing that part where you went from this person that just suppresses it and don't speak up, even though you might know it's true or something like that, right? Not too long ago, about I about three years ago. And how did that ha- that transformation happen? It was um, with me giving myself a break from my relationship with my mom. I I gave I asked my mom what? I need some yeah I well tell me that stopped. story <laughs> okay that story is very long so I was a Jehovah's Witness 
Okay. I was yeah. the I was a Jehovah's Witness. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness with my mom and myself, my family being very into the religion. Like that was our life. And then I started questioning a lot of things. I started seeing people not being actually what they preach. And I wanted to leave. But there was the religious indoctrination that shaped my thinking, my person, um, my goals in life. And then there was my mom. So I had two authority, the religion, the organization, and my mom. And I started doing things that um, it was I wasn't allowed to do, like separating from my husband, raising my kids on, with, on my own terms. Um, and then wanting to leave the religion and all that was not acceptable by religion nor by my mom but i did it i did and that was the transformation for me the minute i decided okay i'm going to leave the religion i'm gonna leave everybody in the religion the the entire community my world as i knew it even my mom so i told my mom i need some time i won't be talking to you and that was a very hard thing to do because my mom my mom was very sick my mom was in her deathbed she passed last year so when i made that decision she died almost about a year after but for that time, for about six months, I had zero contact with her. Mm. I had to, um, yeah, I had to cut ties for a bit to be able to reshape my mindset, reshape who I am, figure out who I am because I wasn't, yeah. I couldn't. I, I had to completely... You know, when you, that little uh, caterpillar goes yeah. into the cocoon, I did that. Well, and you have I'm to still... separate yourself from the environment. Yes. So I made myself a cocoon and I went in there and but that's, that's I all think, I did. That's a pretty typical thing that happens when somebody leaves like a strong commu like religious community or something like that. Yeah. They but the sad part it was that it was my mom. Because when I got out of the cocoon, mm -hmm. uh, my mom wasn't herself 100 percent she also, didn't have didn't, the energy re like reconcile yes yeah. she didn't have the 100 percent of her energy of the judgmental authoritarian mom anymore she was more okay okay and it wasn't her i was almost ready to fight everything i didn't fight for the last well, that, 30 years and what, what how did you feel about that i felt a little sad but freeing it's very sad and it's hard to accept, but my uh, that, dad was a very freeing a, moment. That is almost like the ultimate lesson, in my opinion, right? Like, um, you know, I started Night Owl because I started freelancing so that I can save $10,000 to buy this camera because I, all I wanted was this camera. And then I went through this adventure of building Night Owl. And then when I got to the point where I can buy a hundred of those cameras, I didn't even care anymore. Right. And it's almost similar in a way that once you've actually healed yourself and you got over all of that, the one approval that you wanted, like it, it didn't even really matter. Like you were just happy with yourself to a point where you didn't need your mom to be like, so it yeah, didn't even matter. I didn't have to. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, when I started asking her and say, Mom, did you actually know you that? You know how I know that? You know how I know that you you felt that way? It's because I went through the same thing with my dad, where I felt like my whole life, I tried to prove him wrong, or I tried to prove to him myself. And then it got to a point where I didn't even care anymore. That now, now that I'm at a point I can prove to him, I actually didn't care. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Something like it's that. It's freeing. Yeah. yeah. Here's how you tell your story. Okay, so that okay. that part is, I think there's something really good there. That that story with your mom and towards the end, like how how you you kind of detach yourself from the environment. But here's the thing. Here's how a, a clear lesson story that I saw, and I don't know if your clients or your audience will be struggling with this, but one of the things that's happening with a lot of people when they're stuck in that loop, right? Where uh, I, uh, I need to do this. I need to quit my job and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I need to leave, leave my husband, but you know, I need to do like whatever it is that they're stuck in this loop, right? And when you're in that loop, you can't see that you're even all the things that you're doing loop. wrong, yeah. right? <laughs> so for example, when I was young, I you know, got this flower, blah, 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 and this happened, and I told my mom, and my mom was just like, stop lying, right? And at that moment, I just accepted, I, even though in my heart I knew that I wasn't lying, I just accepted it, and I, and my entire life I've been indoctrinated with this thing. It was like, that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter whether I believe it is true or not. If my mom says it's true, it's true. Mm-hmm. If the church says it's true, it's true. It's true, yeah. And I've lived my entire life like that. And that's like a backstory of an example mm. of how how okay. indoctrinated you were. Mm-hmm. Right? And then fast forward, you know, after going through my this relationship where I basically went through the same experience of that gaslighting, right? Like, oh, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, this something is wrong. I know in my heart something is wrong with this relationship, but oh, it's no big deal. Oh, mom says it's no big deal. <laughs> okay. And then you keep going. And finally, what you had to do is you had to actually detach yourself from that environment completely to a point where, where you have to like even shut off your mom. <laughs> yeah. So that you could think clearly. And a lot of times, like when you're stuck in a loop like that, you need something drastic like that, right? You need complete detachment. You need something like COVID to come around and wake you up, or you need to get fired, or you need to, you know, you need um, a, a breakup, or you need something to shake you out of that thing. And and maybe that's the lesson here, or something like that. Yeah, and I mean, that's so how bad. I see your life. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not so bad. People people think it's a lot of work. It's going to be detrimental, but the freeing part is so much larger, so much bigger. Yeah. When once you do it, you look back and you go, mm, "That was okay." Yeah. Maybe also the the cherry on top is like the thing the thing that you're like so um desperate for right now, whether it's this person's validation or whatever it is that you're desperate for right now. Like once you're free, you're going to realize that you, it doesn't, didn't even matter. 
that you didn't even care or something like that. Meaningless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. It is a great story. And it's, it's, I think they all connect somehow to your life. I think, it, and it's very memorable. I remember how I felt, what we were doing when she told me, like her eyes, her looks, so like every single detail. And when we, we did the challenge, I said, oh, I'm going to use that because that's something I yeah. have it very vividly. And it, it it's perfectly in line with, I guess, how you live most of your life, right? Like kind of just assuming the way it is because that's the way it's always been done or that's what they say it is. So rather, and, and it makes perfect sense with the, Kind of like when you when you're helping your clients find authenticity, it's like that's what's happening to them, right? It's it's you thinking your 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 indoctrinated self under your mom's roof and all of that, just believing that oh your teacher lied to you, oh I guess she lied to me, right? <laughs> that all of that stuff. That's kind of like where your clients are. Oh yeah. Oh okay. I I need to block my time like this because that's that's what you know the coach has told me and that's what i'm supposed to do oh i need to you know like all of the cliche things that everybody does in marketing and branding themselves on that they lie to themselves and they they they're lying to themselves and they're indoctrinate that that's really them yeah yeah they believe to be who other people say they are yeah just like they, how you were yeah <laughs> For, yeah. for how many years of your life? How many decades of your life? Yeah, right? yeah. And that, that changed in my profession too. Before I would do marketing and I always did marketing after studying and graduating from it. Yeah. But now, ever since I came from that cocoon and I realized, okay, I have stuff that I have been repressing that is so different from others. I could use that. Then I started seeing that in other people. Like everybody mm -hmm. would have a story like me. Let's... And it's not so hard to take it out. Yeah. And I, that's what I want to do. That's what I, I, I think like it, doing. it fits perfectly. Like, you know, because you went through that experience of like finding your, your true self after mm. being brainwashed to think that this was me my whole time. Jehovah's Witness, goody two shoe, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then, and everybody else is in that same boat. And, you, you know, you can use yourself as an example of how I didn't know myself. Like, you can dig into your story to figure out who the real you okay. is. Okay. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> we got there. Yeah, we, we got we there. Now the there is a lesson I can share. <laughs> we took the scenic route, but we got there. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Always great to see you, Christina. Thank you so much for sharing your Thank story. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for uh, coming. And I will see you guys next week. This new format, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to do more coaching and answer questions rather than just storytelling. So if, you, if you're if you a member of Night Owl Nation and you want to get coached by me, definitely go to apply. And I'll see you guys next week. Cheers. Bye.